You know how when you watch a movie on an airplane or on basic cable, you realize it's been edited for a time or content? Yeah, absolutely. I used to watch loads of Friends on UK television. And then one Christmas, I got the box set and I realized that there was loads of stuff that I'd never seen, like entire scenes. Friends over here, and it's when it's broadcast, sometimes they speed it up a little bit so they can fit more commercials in. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, that's so American. Isn't it, right? I've always known things might change on airplanes or on TV. It makes sense, right? They've got rules and regulations. But when it comes to something streaming on Netflix or Hulu, I still assume I'm watching the unaltered original. But recently, Disney Plus changed all that, and I don't know how to feel about it. The thing that got me wondering about this, Jordan, is a butt. A bottom? A bum. Disney Plus used CGI to artificially cover Daryl Hannah's butt in their 1984 film Splash before putting it on the streaming platform, which is fine, I guess. It's Disney's platform. It's their movie. They can change whatever they want. But I'm wondering why. Is this something parents care about? I went out and asked some of them. I'm really struggling to develop a strong opinion about butts for you. Because I have so many questions about this one bizarre change. And what I found was way stranger than just one hairy butt. So today, we're getting to the bottom of this bottom. How Disney's existential fear and looming identity crisis led them to pay someone to cover Daryl Hannah's butt with locks of beautiful blonde hair. When we get back, we'll dive into Splash. Hello again, and welcome once more to Wild Wild Tech. I'm Joshua Rivera. And I'm Jordan Erica Weber, and each week we're here to bring you the weirdest, most fun, most absolutely bizarre stories about how technology is shaping culture. This week, I've got a story about how a butt has broken the multi-billion dollar empire that is Walt Disney. But first things first, have you seen Splash? I don't think so. Well, don't you worry, because I have, (laughs) and I can tell you all about it. Great. There's a scene in the film where Daryl Hannah who plays a mermaid temporarily in human form, runs off into the ocean to swim as a mermaid again. Oh, is this Tom Hanks? A much, much younger Tom Hanks. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and we have blonde lady. There's a lot of just her staring at him, which fair, I mean, it's Tom Hanks, you would. And off she goes. Oh, there's the butt. I see it. I see the butt. I do feel like I remember this film. Now that we've seen it. Yeah. No, I feel like I've seen, or maybe, you know, maybe this is just a story that has been told many, many times. Man meets mermaid. (laughs) Mermaid is naked. Mermaid kisses man for no good reason. Man falls in love, et cetera, et cetera. It's definitely one of Shakespeare's plays. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Now I want to show you the same scene as you would find it on Disney+. Plus. Great. Okay. There he is again. There she is again. And there she goes. Hey, come back! Oh. (laughs) Okay, so her hair is much, much longer than it was in the original. It doesn't it doesn't look quite natural, but she's got a nice kind of blonde mat over her entire rear. Her hair is digitally extended. <laughs> it seems very unnatural, and it's very funny. 
But I don't understand why Disney was okay releasing this butt in a 1984 film across theaters where, you know, there are regulations, but not okay streaming this butt today on Disney Plus, where they're entirely self-regulating. Let's start with what Disney Plus even is. Are you a Disney Plus person, Jordan? I am a Disney Plus person. I don't remember why I got Disney Plus. I feel like, to my shame, it might be so that I could watch High School Musical, the musical, the series. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm exchanging texts weekly with a friend of mine who is watching it because it's being released weekly. The service, as far as I can tell, is basically just as much Disney content as possible, including all of the brands that Disney owns. Exactly. Disney Plus was marketed to us as the streaming home for all things Disney, which is a lot of stuff now. Scroll through the Disney Plus homepage and it'll be clear that Disney is now a lot of other brands too. Over the past decade, they've acquired properties like Pixar, Star Wars, Marvel, National Geographic, and all of Fox's movies and television. But the Disney Plus homepage is also a reminder that Disney is responsible for a bunch of older movies that don't make you think of Mickey Mouse, like Splash, a movie that only came to mind again because it's now on Disney Plus, and by extension, associated with Disney again. It's like showing up to a family reunion and realizing that you're related to people you don't even know, right? <laughs> like, you know, I'm, I'm Puerto Rican and I haven't even met certain cousins or I've only met them once and didn't know they were cousins, you know? Yeah, I totally get that. I mean, I've got a huge family. I have seven siblings, wow. for goodness sake. That's, that's a lot of siblings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're all wonderful if they're listening. <laughs> so here's Splash, the weird Disney cousin, next to all these other movies that are family friendly. So I assume that's why they changed the butt, to make it family friendly. Case closed. But that raises some more questions. Like, how in the world is Disney the epitome of family friendly? Especially with how big they've gotten. Avengers Endgame is right there next to Toy Story 4 on Disney+. And Thanos gets his head chopped off. Is that family friendly? And as for Splash, even if the butt is covered, is it family friendly? There's lots of questionable stuff like the premise where a man falls in love with a mermaid, which is maybe fine. Mm, except isn't she completely new to the world? So she's like a baby who's just falling in love with the first thing she sees? Yeah, kind of, right? Like, this is the first man she meets, and then, you know, not long after, it's implied that they have sex. Implied sex. My favorite kind. <laughs> but then there's this stuff that's played off as, like, charming, even though it's really messed up. Like, Tom Hanks' brother, who is uh, played by John Candy, so, like, very lovable dude, right? Mm -hmm. He has this problem where he just, ever since he's a kid, and he's a grown-ass man now... He can't stop looking up women's skirts. Like a power other than his own is making him do it? It's just sort of like he just keeps doing it. He just keeps compulsively like dropping change as an excuse to like bend over and take a peek. It's so weird. Yeah, that doesn't seem necessary. Yeah, it's gross. There's lots of stuff that's not great here other than the nudity. And I've been feeling hung up on this question. What does that even mean? Family friendly. And I'm not a parent. So I asked a panel of people who are. My name is George Pedersen. My daughter, Sora, is a little over two years old. My name is Anne-Marie Gorman. I have a four-year-old and a two-month-year-old, let's say. I'm Chase. My kids are Aaron and Sean. They are 13 and 10. Hi, I'm Lisa Diane. And I'm Joey. And we have a six-year-old son named Jay. My name's Larry. We have two beautiful kids, Trip, who is five, and Lilu, who is two. My name is Selena. I have a son, Andrew, who's 13 years old. And I asked him to define for me, what does family-friendly mean in your home? 
Right now for her being two, it's things that aren't scary. There's no specific metric for family friendliness, although we do try to avoid things that are emotionally disturbing. How people treat each other. Violence is one thing as long as they understand that it's not real. If it's just adults being in adult situations, we're not really going to be super prude about it. Then a simple follow up. How do you feel about butts? <laughs> Uh, you know, I mean... There, there are a lot of cartoon characters that don't have pants. I'm fine with butts, pretty pro-butt in general. I think everyone understands that everyone has a butt. I'm really struggling to develop a strong opinion about butts for you, and I don't have one. <laughs> like, I don't care, butts. <laughs> Look, the, the butt is a butt, man. You can, you know, my, my son's favorite book right now is about butts and it's the butts are taking over the, the world. And honestly, if you've spent any time around six or seven year olds, butts are hilarious. Butts, they're fine. Who would have thought? I had all these parents take a look at Splash, mostly to see how they'd feel about the Disney Plus edit. Not the whole movie. I'm not gonna make them watch the whole movie if they don't want to. <laughs> and as you can imagine from their thoughts about butts, it wasn't really a concern. If you can, like, bring yourself to be upset about butts on screen right now, you, your life is either <laughs> incredibly relaxed or so stressful, I'm sorry. That seems like a lot of work for not much gay, and why? I think it draws more attention to it than it does away from it. Like, that's more like trying to wrap my head around than, like, butts. Is like, yeah, sometimes, you know, sometimes Tom Hanks falls in love with fish. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it, it happens. It's, it's, it's natural. We should just accept it. You know, it's, uh, it's 2020. And if you want to marry a fish, marry a fish. So in talking to these parents, I started to feel kind of silly. Who cares? But obviously, Disney cared. So why would they go through all this work to retouch a movie scene that, frankly, barely matters to anyone? What does Disney get out of rewriting its history in such a low stakes way? When we get back... We'll talk to a Disney expert and critic who helps me answer the burning question keeping me up at night. What is so important about this butt? The CG Harry butt thing, and I keep laughing because it's never not going to be funny. All right, so we were talking about a butt. A butt that you could fleetingly see in 1984 Splash for maybe three seconds, edited for Disney Plus so that it is now modestly covered in digital hair. Which you discovered parents did not care about in the slightest. Yeah. So my question now is, why does Disney care? Why does it not want anyone on Disney Plus to see the original movie? Because they own so much, right? What happens if they decide Iron Man's armor should be a different color? Or to use another less scandalous change made on Disney Plus with Lilo and Stitch. There is a scene previously depicting Lilo hiding in a tumble dryer that was edited to look like she is instead hiding behind a pizza box, perhaps to discourage an actual dangerous thing that kids do. I love this movie so much. <laughs> oh, Lilo is disgusting. The way she like licks her arm. Ugh. Oh yeah, there she is, coming out of the dryer. Lilo, by the way, exhibits plenty of behavior a child should probably not mimic. Well, I love her. These seem like low-stakes changes, but again, Disney controls an unimaginably huge part of the entertainment industry. How it treats things that it would rather not dredge up matters, 
because it directly affects not only whether you or I can see a work as originally intended, but how we remember it. If I can forget a butt was ever in Splash, what else might eventually fade from memory? So I reached out to a critic and Disney expert. I'm Josh Spiegel, and I've been writing about the Walt Disney Company for uh, about a decade now. He spent the last decade covering everything Disney from theme parks to movies. And right off the bat, he had some pretty hot takes about Splash's CGI butt edit. The reason why I think all this is important is it's so much unnecessary work for Disney Plus and whoever is making the decisions there to just say, let's put Splash on Disney Plus and not on Hulu. Of all the myriad things Disney owns, I forgot to mention, they own Hulu. They can stream anything they want there. So why hire a CGI person to stare at Daryl Hannah's butt in order to keep Splash on Disney Plus? It's such an <laughs> unnecessary amount of work when you have a second streaming service right there. And Hulu doesn't really have the same identity issue because Hulu doesn't have an identity in a way. It's just, right. it's a streaming service. This is interesting to me because before Disney Plus, I didn't think of any streaming platform as having an identity. Yeah, I don't tend to think of Amazon Prime or Netflix as having identities. They're just streaming services. As for Hulu, I wouldn't know because I can't actually access it here in the UK. So I guess if Hulu has an identity, it's like the mysterious stranger. But Disney Plus, in theory, has some kind of identity because Walt Disney has such a strong brand identity. Exactly. Disney Plus is just meant to be everything possible within the Walt Disney Company. So any Marvel movie that isn't streaming somewhere else based on some distribution deal, any of the Pixar films, any of the Pixar shorts, Disney Channel TV shows, Disney Junior TV shows, Disney films. But at what point did Disney mean being family friendly? When did those two things become synonymous? For that, Josh brought us back to the 80s and 90s when we were both kids sitting in front of the TV. First of all, I think when it became really accepted was probably when, I'm going to assume you and I are around the same age, in the late 80s, early 90s, with the advent of TV shows like, you know, the TGIF lineup with the Disney Channel, there I think became a sense of, this is where, you know, you can put kids in front of the TV if you want to, Disney Channel is going to give them appropriate content, it's going to give them the right kind of entertainment. You won't need to worry that they're picking up inappropriate language or they're seeing violence or sex or something like that. You can watch Disney and feel comfortable knowing that whatever we have on is going to teach your kids the right thing. So I think that's really where it began solidifying in the, you know, the cultural consciousness. So after decades of making cartoons and kid-friendly content, in the 80s and 90s, Disney really honed in on this family-friendly identity as a brand. Put your kid in front of the TV, we'll take it from here. But the funny thing about this is that meanwhile, the team at Disney was also experimenting with the idea of making movies that were edgier. The 80s were wild, man. So in order to not tarnish their family-friendly brand, they decided to make different distribution units. Do you remember Touchstone Pictures? It sounds familiar. I'll play the audio from their logo. Oh, that, that is very 80s, isn't it? Wow, look at that. <laughs> Disney invented Touchstone Pictures to release their first edgier film. Guess what it was called? Uh, Home Alone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it was Splash. Oh! This is a film that literally led to the Walt Disney Company creating its first distribution unit 
that wasn't Walt Disney Pictures. Splash was released in March of 1984 and was the first film under the Touchstone Pictures umbrella, an umbrella that was created specifically because the CEO of the company knew it really wouldn't work to have Walt Disney Pictures presents Splash. So Daryl Hannah's butt isn't just any old butt. It's the butt that led Disney out of child-friendly territory into edgier content. And they could do that safely because they had a pseudonym, Touchstone Pictures. They didn't have to put their own name on it until now, under Disney+. Plus. Right. Now that they've got to put their name on it, it needs to seem family-friendly. So the butt has got to go. Right. But the splash butt isn't the only kind of content Disney had to reckon with when they funneled everything onto Disney+. Plus. So just imagine you're the head of Disney+, Plus, who has to make the definitive Disney streaming identity. And you have all these old Disney cartoons on your desk. In terms of objectionable content, you've got a problem. Oh, yeah. Just off the top of my head from my childhood, uh, Peter Pan has really problematic depictions of Native Americans. The Siamese cats in Aristocats, sketchy at best. And then Siamese cats again in Lady and the Tramp. Disney's been around since before the Second World War. There is plenty of troubling content that you'd have to decide whether to bring onto Disney Plus or not. Absolutely. For those older cartoons full of racist stereotypes, which theoretically they could edit like Splash, they instead added a disclaimer at the top warning viewers of outdated cultural depictions. And then there are films they straight up didn't put on the platform, like Song of the South from 1946, which doesn't just depict racist stereotypes of black people, it's full-blown slavery propaganda. No disclaimer at the top, that one they'd rather us forget. Even though it inspired the song zippity Duda" and is the theme of Splash Mountain, which are both still there. Oh, I had no idea. You know, I've only been to Disneyland once, and that was last year, so I don't know a lot about the rides, uh, and I don't like getting wet, so <laughs> I haven't actually been on Splash Mountain, Yeah, uh, but I did not know that about it. There's actually a petition going around to redesign Splash Mountain. Oh, I've got a good idea. They could make it actual Splash Mountain, like about the movie Splash. Oh, God. But coming back to the films, presumably that means that there are people at Disney who have to figure out whether something is so racist that it has to be taken off the platform entirely, or if it's just a little bit racist and just needs a disclaimer. Right. You know, Disney has a lot of problematic stuff that's racist and inexcusable and has to be reckoned with. And something Josh Beagle brought up, someone's also got to figure out where to put their newer, more progressive stuff that unfortunately some viewers wouldn't value as family friendly. Where is that going to fit on the platform? So they have something like Love, Victor, an LGBTQ plus teen romance. For whatever reason, the person in charge decided that, you know, maybe it's better on Hulu. And then you have this Lizzie McGuire sequel, which was going to catch up with its former teen star as an adult, but include her more adult hijinks as a 30-year-old in New York City. That one was put on hold by the people in charge because it's too adult. But if Lizzie McGuire, a Disney Channel show, isn't right for Disney+, Plus then what is? Josh argues that Disney is having a straight-up identity crisis. They don't have a strong identity, they just have a lot of intellectual property. In making Disney+, Plus the ultimate Disney's platform, they're having to actually look at the ton of properties they have in the mirror and ask themselves, who are we? What are we? Who are we willing to offend? And how much? And it's because the initial marketing clearly worked, the sense of there's something for everybody here. 
And that is, mm-hmm. I think largely that is a very effective marketing strategy as long as you're thinking about what one group of everybody will think about something that isn't automatically catered to them on the homepage. If they, you know, if somebody who is homophobic sees Love Victor on the homepage, does that mean we're going to lose their subscription? Is that going to affect our bottom line? That's the kind of question that guy's asking, which is not the right kind of question to be asking, but that's because that's because I'm not in the C-suites at Disney. That's, that's why I'm not an EVP <laughs> at, at the Walt Disney Company. So this is what's going on here. You have Disney who wants to be all things to all people. But unfortunately, all people also might include those who have homophobic ideas, who may have an aversion to a gay teen romance. All people also includes out and proud LGBTQ fans who go to Disney parks during Pride Month. When you're trying to be as inoffensive as possible across demographics that feel opposed to each other, things get a little complicated and you might want to make easy decisions like, hey, maybe we should cover up a mermaid's butt so no one gets mad. It's almost like a distraction from the more complicated questions that they're having to think about. Like, ah, a butt. Nice and easy. I can just cover it up. Yeah. So if like the CG, you know, hairy button splash is like the symptom, right? <laughs> what's what's the disease, I guess, right? I think the disease is that Disney doesn't know what to do with this streaming service aside from just throw everything possible there and hope it all sticks. I think that's <laughs> the choice that led them to greenlight High Fidelity as a Disney Plus show at first, and also greenlight Love, Victor, and then get cold feet for one reason or another. Right. They're Again, they're trying to please everybody in a separate, such a separated market where they don't have to please everybody. They can focus a mm-hmm. little bit more. They can target more on the younger family crowd. They can try to target the all-ages crowd, but they're going to run into problems like this and social media being what it is, somebody is going to spot those things. And you know, the whole, the whole, the CG Harry butt thing. And I keep laughing because it's never not going to be funny. They did. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is, this is an unforced error. They created a problem mm-hmm. for themselves that they did not need to create. And who knows if there's any level of reflection going on, but they, they really should be asking themselves the question, why did we waste all that time on this? They didn't have to. They chose to. Wow, so that one butt really made a splash. (laughs) I wish that we lived in or could see a parallel universe where they didn't make this change and find out if anyone would have complained about it. Because that seems to be what they're worried about, right? They must have made this change because they thought someone might be concerned. I want to meet that person. It's also interesting that, I mean, the big thing that's come out of this is that they made that change, but there are a lot of changes that they haven't made, right? Like, they can't CGI over the racism. Yeah, and sometimes you have an obligation to preserve the past and be like, yes, this is what we were like then, and it was bad, but we are always going to have butts, you know? (laughs) You, You know what I mean? I also think it's a shame how it's affecting their content now, that they're kind of trying to please everybody, even the homophobes, you know? It's like, they're really trying to just cover their own butt. Right. And I mean, I guess it's also upsetting that movies are being changed to sell a streaming service. The fact is, we don't own anything that we stream. It can come and go, and it can also be changed. A lot of things have. Yeah, I, you know, I'm hesitant to even bring it up, but... Star Wars, uh, there's a lot of controversy around the edits to the Han shot first scene. 
We've also seen this in video games. They changed the ending of Mass Effect 3 because fans complained about it. So this is definitely a thing, uh, especially with digital content. Yeah, and people get up in arms about this stuff. And I get it. You're messing with memories. And nostalgia is important. But we don't always remember our nostalgia correctly, right? We make these lasting edits in our minds. I asked my family-friendly panel of parents if they've revisited any of their own favorite childhood movies with their kids and been surprised by the adult content. We loved Animal House. The movie Clue. The National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Jessica Rabbit maybe comes to mind. Who doesn't love Goonies? <laughs> All of those movies are incredibly raunchy, and they were raunchy in 80s standards, but now they're raunchy in a way that is sort of like you have to explain to your very young child the idea of evolving cultural norms. We recently showed our son several of the Herbie movies, The Love Bug, and we had to stop and have a conversation after each of them about the way that they treat women. As you become a parent, you realize how many jokes and how many one-liners, how many innuendos that the movie industry got away with in the 80s and in the 90s and stuff that you, you, you didn't catch the jokes until you got older. And you're like, oh. And for you listeners, we want to know. What movies from your childhood are you now realizing have way more adult content than you thought? And what post-release movie change drives you up a wall? Rate and review us at Apple Podcasts and leave a comment letting us know. Ooh, what movies did you realize were more adult? I think of The Mask a lot. Oh, yeah! Yes! With, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, The Good Face Guy. Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. Yes. The Good, good Face Guy. guy. <laughs> he does good faces. It's a shame yeah. he wears a mask. He does good faces. Next week on Wild Wild Tech, did Apple's obsession with product placement just accidentally spoil the ending of every movie or TV show from here on out? In the meantime, we'd love if you could rate the show on your favorite podcast platform and leave a review letting us know which childhood movie you rewatched and realized was way more adult or super problematic. Was it The Breakfast Club? A John Hughes movie? Let us know. Wild Wild Tech is a spoke media production brought to you in partnership with Studio 71. It's hosted by myself, Joshua Rivera, and Jordan Erica Weber. You can find us at, at jmrivera02 on Twitter and jordanweber.com. Our producers are Cody Hoffmachel and Janielle Kastner, with help from Caroline Hamilton and Reyes Mendoza. This episode was mixed by Evan Arnett and Will Short. Our executive producers are Stephen Perlstein and Andrew Seeley for Studio 71, and Aliyah Tavakolian and Keith Reynolds for Spoke Media. Thanks to all the wonderful parents who spoke with me. Chase, George, Anne-Marie, Lisa, Diane, and Joey, Selena, and Larry. And thanks to Josh Spiegel for his Disney expertise. If you want to follow us on social media, we're at Wild Wild Tech Pod. Thanks for listening.